I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. Fun show today, but a little technical show. We're going to talk about the physiology of digestion. What the heck does physiology mean? And it's funny you'd ask that because I asked that question. When I was in undergraduate school, I had one of the best anatomy and physiology teachers in the world. And his, his, his name was uh, the two of them, Totora and Anagnostakis. Great guys. And I remember I walked into, into class first day and the first uh, class was on anatomy. I didn't know what the word anatomy meant. I didn't know what the word physiology meant. And so they jumped into it thinking, of course, we all knew what this was. So I learned on that day that you really got to explain words to folks because never assume somebody knows what that means. So physiology means how things work. Anatomy is where things are. Okay, so my arm is uh, anatomically, I'm looking at my left arm and here it is. Physiology is what makes my arm move, what makes the blood supply work, what makes the, the cells function. So we're going to talk about the physiology, the function of your digestive system. Now, I know we've covered this before with acid reflux and heartburn. We're going to go really in depth on this. So if I use a big word, hang on. Don't jump ship on me. We're going to get back and explain it to you, I promise. Now, the purpose, quite simple, is to get the nutrition in food that we eat ready so that it can be absorbed into our body or it can be used by every single cell in the body. Now, the cells needed to survive to carry on their individual function. And when it comes to the intestinal tract, the key here is absorption. It's not what you eat, it's what you digest. That's what matters. I always say, it's not what you ingest, it's what you digest. And so not only what you digest, you have to absorb it. And when it comes to absorption, the small intestine is the portal or the entry for virtually all nutrients that enter into your blood system. Now think about your digestive system for a second. You're a tube within a tube. And I remember my one professor, Dr. Richard Lord, said that one day, and I said, a tube within a tube. I don't understand that. Imagine your body is circular, that we're a tube. And in that tube, we have another tube called your digestive system. So when you eat food, it passes through your body, and then nutrients get absorbed in, into the rest of the body. So mechanical digestion, there's segmentation uh, contraction. So what that means is different parts of the colon will actually contract. There's chopping, there's mixing, there's rolling of something called a chyme. Now, what's the chyme? Another big word here. C-H-Y-M-E. Chyme is, to put it bluntly, kind of like vomit. You put food in your stomach, you chew it up, it mixes with digestive enzymes, it becomes this soup. That's called chyme. So remember that word, we're probably going to use it again later. Now, peristalsis, another big word, is when the muscles contract and squeeze the food to move through your colon. So it's kind of like you squeeze a tube of toothpaste from the bottom, then you squeeze a little bit further, a little bit further up, a little bit further up. That would be peristalsis going on in your digestive system. So you chew the food, it mixes with enzymes, uh, parts of the colon or stomach contract, then peristalsis slowly propels the chyme toward the large intestine. All of this is controlled by nerves. So you're thinking to yourself, well, Dr. Joe, you're a chiropractor. Why are you talking about digestion? Well, at our office, we want to make sure you have a normally functioning nervous system, a normally functioning digestive system, and good nutrition. So one of the problems we find with our patients is they may have been to a bunch of other doctors and they can't find out what's wrong. Anybody ever have that situation? Raise your hands. I bet you have. So they end up in our office, either referred by their doctors, by their hospitals, uh, by their, sometimes their lawyers for car accident cases. Um, and they come into our office 
And they say, Dr. Joe, I've had this test, and they pull out packs of research. And I'll look through it, and this is a little off, this is a little off, but nothing that was going to answer the question, why is my digestive system not working, or why is anything not working? So then I check their spine, because the nervous system controls everything. Your brain right now is sending messages down your spine, out your nerves, to every cell in the body. So there's a nerve that controls your heart, your lungs, your liver, your spleen, also controls your digestive system. So many times, when a patient has something wrong and they can't figure out what it is, it's the nerve supply to that part of the body, in this case, the digestive system. So if you have a pinched nerve in your low back, you might have back and leg pain, but it also controls your colon, your sex organs, and your bladder. So we have patients with gas, diarrhea, constipation, and one thing we do is we check the nerves in the low back to see if they're being pinched. If we unpinch them, many times the organs start to work. So we're gonna go through the whole digestive system. We had to make sure you understand what controls the digestive system. The nervous system. So when you eat something, let's start with proteins. Proteins are denatured or unwound by acid in your stomach and then broken down further by something called pepsin. Now for the most part, they arrived as polypeptides, another big word. These are short amino acids. Amino acids, short ones clumped together. And they arrive from the stomach into the small intestine as a polypeptide. The extent of the breakdown into polypeptides is dependent on several factors, such as the ability for the stomach to produce enough stomach acid to denature the proteins or unwind it. If the protein is not unwound from its tight ball, then it's a long chain amino acid and pepsin isn't able to break it down. So you follow this, you chew something, let's take a steak or even a carrot, anything with protein. It goes into your stomach, acid breaks it up a little bit, kind of unwinds it, then the pepsin starts breaking it down into little tiny like, pieces of chain, and then it passes into the small intestine. If you're not producing enough acid, or you're not producing enough pepsin to chip up these proteins into smaller component chunks, that's when we start to have a problem. So if, you're not, if you don't have enough digestive enzymes, that's when we start to see issues. Now, if you use things like antacids or proton pump inhibitors, if you have acid reflux or heartburn, the doctor gives you a medicine, or you take it over, over the counter, this is going to totally compromise the ability for the body to break down proteins in the stomach since they suppress stomach acid, which is necessary to unwind the proteins. Did you follow all that? So if you have acid reflux, one of the treatments that's very common is we'll give you medication, either over-the-counter or prescription, and that can help the acid. The problem is you need acid to break down proteins into amino acids so that they can be absorbed, so they can be utilized. So every patient I've ever seen that is taking antacids, has a digestive problem, and they're not absorbing their nutrients. The other thing with the prescription antacid, or even over-the-counter, read the directions. No one ever does that. Read the directions, and it's going to say what? Use for a short period of time, maybe two weeks, three weeks maximum, and then give it a break. Because the manufacturers know you can't take this long-term because you need the acid to break the proteins into amino acids to produce things like neurotransmitters or muscle or give you energy. And so people that are taking these long-term antacids really have some serious issues. Now, the most common thing we can do with that is fix the problem. So we can take the stomach and physically pull it down away from the diaphragm. It's a chiropractic adjustment. And if we move the stomach away from the diaphragm, many times the digestive system is able to go back to normal. The stomach is working again. I can't tell you to stop taking medication. I can tell you how to get well, so hopefully you don't need the medication. That's my goal. And I hope that's your goal too. So if we can get the body working normally, you don't need these medications. Follow that? And I hope that's your goal when it comes to health. I'm not saying don't take the drugs. Let's fix it so you don't need the drugs. 
So if we pull the stomach away from the diaphragm, many times that solves the problem. Another thing you can do is take digestive enzymes. Because as we get older, our stomach acids drop, our pepsin drops, other enzymes drop. So by taking digestive enzymes, we can facilitate that process. And if you've listened to my shows before, I always say the number one consumer of energy we have as humans is romance. The number two consumer of energy is digestion. So we can take a big stress off our digestive system if we take digestive enzymes, if necessary. Dr. Joe's digestive enzymes, uh, they're on the website, drjoe.com. I take them whenever I eat a cooked meal. Because if you're eating a raw meal, and I'm gonna talk about this a little later, uh, you know, salad, broccoli, cucumbers, tomatoes, avocado, salad, uh, that's gonna give you enzymes. You don't need digestive enzymes in most cases. If you're eating a cooked meal, or all cooked, then I'd recommend digestive enzymes. So many folks, when they have acid reflux, we'll get, it, we'll get them chiropractic care to pull the stomach away from the diaphragm, and then we'll get them on Dr. Joe's digestive enzymes. I had a patient come in just a couple of days ago, and we were adjusting her, and she was getting some results, but not fast enough. She wanted to get this thing fixed. And if you're like me, I want it fixed yesterday. So I said, let's try this. Let's try some digestive enzymes. She came in two days later, and she hugged me. And she said, Dr. Joe, unbelievable. I'm digesting food for the first time in my life. My bowels are working like they're supposed to. That stuff is unbelievable. Again, she's an older woman. We had to facilitate that process by giving her some digestive enzymes. So any breakdown not accomplished in the stomach must now be compensated for in the small intestine. And in addition to the small intestine's role of breaking down short, short chain amino acids into smaller molecules, which are then capable of being absorbed into the bloodstream, the digestive system has to do more that the stomach didn't do. Now, in either case, after proteins leave the stomach, breakdown continues into the small bowel by activated pancreatic enzymes. Pancreatic enzymes include uh, uh, trypsin, uh, chymotrypsin, elastase. All three of these are necessary because they act on different parts of the amino acid. So trypsin might work on one place, and uh, so different uh, enzymes break down different parts of this chain to make them amino acids. Now, I know this is a little complicated here, and I accept that, but keep listening, folks, because we're going to cover a lot. And when you understand this, then you can make better decisions. Every day, patients come in our office and say, Dr. Joe, my doctor says I have to take these medications. I say, what are they for? And inevitably, somebody's going to say, I don't know. And then I say, okay, let's see if we can figure it out. And then I look it up, and I know what the, the medications are. And they'll say, okay, what do you I don't know what I'm taking it for. Well, it's for blood pressure. Do you have blood pressure problems anymore? I don't think so. Okay, so why are you still taking the meds? I don't know. So once again, I want to get you well so you don't need them. So when you understand how digestion works, starts in the mouth, goes into the stomach, breaks down proteins, goes into the small intestine, the pancreas spits out these digestive enzymes, specifically in this case, uh, uh, protease, which breaks down the proteins. Fat digestion is also an action of the pancreas, and it's from pancreatic lipase that occurs in the small intestine that breaks the fats down into smaller, potentially absorbable components. This is where something called bile, which comes from your gallbladder, comes into play. Bile salts, which is bile, it comes from your liver, dumps it into your gallbladder, the gallbladder dumps it into the small intestine, emulsify or break down into small droplets the fat for easier entry into, the, into water solution so it can be absorbed better, or more technically, water suspensions. So the fat by itself is not going to be uh, dissolved in water. If we break the fat molecules down small enough, then they can be absorbed. So if you've had your gallbladder removed, if you have gallstones, uh, you'll tend to have incomplete breakdown of fats in your small intestine, resulting in things like fatty stools and a tendency to have intestinal discomfort. 
Now, in addition to that, even more important, malabsorption of the lipids prevents the body from receiving any of the nutrients dissolved in the fat. So what does fatty stools look like? Let me back up a little bit. If you go to the bathroom and you look in the toilet and you see a layer of fat floating on top of the toilet, that's fatty stools. That means you're not digesting your fats. If that's the case, we have to figure out why. Do you not have a gallbladder? Is your liver not working? Is your gallbladder not working? Do you have gallstones? Are you getting older? You're not producing the right uh, amylase or, or in this, uh, lipase to break down the fats. So if you have that problem, now you can't absorb what's called fat-soluble vitamins. We're talking about vitamins A, D, E, and K, and also called uh, trochotriols. Now, the omega-3 fatty acids, to name some of them, are the ones that we have to get into the body. So we've got to get A, D, E, and K. We've got to get omega-3 fatty acids into the body. If you're not breaking them down properly, you're not going to get them absorbed. So that's how fats get broken down. Carbohydrates happen a couple of ways. Number one, when you chew the carbohydrate, your mouth has saliva, which has something called salivary amylase, which can break it down. So it's really important that you chew your food. How many people don't chew their food aside from everybody? If you're not chewing your food properly, it goes into the stomach, then it goes into the small intestine where the pancreas has to step in again, that good old pancreas. And so now you start spitting out amylase to break down the carbohydrates, and that puts a strain on the pancreas again. Or you can take supplemental digestive enzymes with your meal. Carbohydrates, for the most part, enter into the small intestine pretty much intact. They, they don't get broken down a lot up here. They get broken down in the small intestine. Once they're there, they have to be broken into little sugars by pancreatic amylase. And pancreatic amylase and lipase are used in the blood to measure abnormal function or things that have damaged the pancreatic cells. So when you see blood work done, why are we testing for enzymes to see if there's a problem? So from a chiropractic standpoint, from our standpoint, I guess from a holistic standpoint, we want to get everything working the best we possibly can. Chew your food, let it go into the stomach, let it be broken down, pass it into the small intestine. And you also have to check the nerve supply to the organs. So for example, the upper part of the back, that's the nerve supply to my esophagus and my stomach. The mid-back controls my small intestine. My low back controls my large intestine. So if you have pinched nerves, you might have back pain, leg pain, hip pain, headaches, numbness, tingling. How many people have that? Raise your hands. A lot of you do. What do we do about it? Come see us. We have offices in the Atlanta area, Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge. We can analyze for pinched nerves. And if you have pinched nerves, we need to put the bones back in place, unpinch the nerves, allow the message to get from the, from the brain down the spine out to the organs, and then the organs are able to function normally again. So even if you're taking all these digestive enzymes and you're chewing your food and you're eating organic raw food, which would be great, if you have pinched nerves, you're not going to get all the benefits that you want. So if you'd like to make an appointment to come see us, if you have neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, if you've ever been in a car accident ever, if the car was damaged, you were damaged 100% of the time. Go to my website, drjoe.com. You can make an appointment right now. You can do it online. You can call us. We will set you up as soon as possible because my team of doctors have one goal. We want to naturally get you well and keep you well. And we're going to talk about supplements, too. We talk about digestive enzymes. All the supplements we talk about are going to be on the website as well, drjoe.com. I do recommend you order them and start taking them. And if you live near our offices, you can come pick them up and save shipping. How about that? So we're talking about the physiology or how digestion works. So we talked about mechanical. Okay, you chew your food, the stomach grinds it up. Um, that's mechanical, but there's chemical digestion already may have taken place as a result of enzymes in the food itself. So if you eat raw food, again, broccoli, cucumbers, tomatoes, avocados, salad, fruit, these have enzymes in them already. 
So that's gonna help facilitate the digestion. And we said earlier, if you're eating a lot of cooked food, I strongly advise you take digestive enzymes. Now, the effect of those enzymes can be pretty extensive in raw food, up to 70% of total digestion, or virtually non-existent if you cook and process your foods. And also how well you chew your food, of course. So virtually all the water that enters into your small intestine, uh, in whatever form, has to be absorbed into the body across the walls of the small intestine. If the secretion and absorption of the water doesn't balance, we become bloated because we're holding water, or we become dehydrated. So it's important how much water you put in your body. How much should you drink? Now, some medical claims, you'll say, oh, drink as much as you want, only when you're thirsty. I disagree with that. I'm a big fan of about 64 ounces a day, give or take. You don't have to be exact. What I do in the morning is I, I start out my morning with a big cup of tea, and then I have two big uh, like cooler cups type thing. And if it, I, may, I may do hot tea, I may do iced tea, depending on the time of the year. Um, and that's going to determine also. Now, it, also how much water you take is also going to determine by your lifestyle. Do you sweat a lot? Uh, I talk a lot. So when I talk a lot, I'm using a lot of saliva. So I probably, I drink constantly when I'm on the air. So make sure you're getting enough fluid. Here's the rule. When you pee, it should be clear. It shouldn't have stuff floating around in it. And it shouldn't smell. Now, if you eat asparagus, all right, it's probably going to smell. If you take Dr. Joe's B-complex, and by the way, I think you should, because B vitamins are so necessary for the nervous system to work, your pee is probably gonna come out yellow. That's okay. So it should be clear, again, unless you're taking B vitamins, and odorless without stuff floating around it. If it's not, chances are you're not drinking enough water. And then we gotta get into just drinking more water. I prefer filtered water. The best water is distilled water, uh, but it's impractical, it's expensive. So I have a filter in my house, it's almost as tall as I am, and it filters every drop of water. So when I take a shower, if I'm under hot water, my pores open up. I don't want to be absorbing chemicals like chlorine. Uh, when I drink, when I cook, when I wash my dishes, ev I want everything in my house clean. And they have a couple of thousand dollars if you want one, but it's worth it. Believe me. And gonna, if you're drinking bottled water now, that's just ridiculous. You're wasting so much money. You could buy a filter and filter all the water in your house and save the money on, on the bottled water. And it, this way you don't put it in plastic or you leave it in plastic like water you buy in the store because plastic can release chemicals into the blood, which are very dangerous. They get into the small intestine and get absorbed like everything else. So we talked about the small intestine. Any questions? Can't hear you folks. I'm on the show, remember? I can't hear you. If you have any questions, you can always go to my website, drjoe.com and, and send it to me. This show, again, a lot of technical terms in it. It's on the website right now, drjoe.com, and you can listen to it if you'd like to or watch it. We have a video and audio, how about that? So now we talked about the small intestine. Now let's talk about the large intestine. Let's explain what that means. You swallow food, it goes into your stomach. Stomach sits right below your left breast area. It digests food, and in the middle, kind of where your beer gut might be, is your small intestine. It's all coiled up. Then it goes from the small intestine into what's called the large intestine. Now, the large intestine is around the outside. It goes from, starting at your right hip, goes up to your ribs, over to the other side of your ribs, down to your left hip, and then out. So your large intestine is kind of a frame around your small intestine, if you want to look at it that way. So the large intestine, also called the colon or the large bowel, it's the last part of the digestive system. And it has essentially two primary functions. It extracts water and salt from solid waste before they go out of the body. It also uh, has bacteria that reside in the colon to ferment and break down any unabsorbed food matter that passed through the small intestine un undigested. So your body is brilliant. I mean, think about this, carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Carbohydrates, two places to get digested. The mouth and the pancreas releases it into the small intestine. 
digestive enzymes. Proteins, the stomach and the pancreas releases it, releases enzymes to break it down. Fats, small intestine and then the gallbladder. So each thing has a backup plan. And that's why the body has, in computer terms, we call it redundancy. You need this redundancy, even with the nervous system. As a chiropractor, I'm always looking at the nervous system. You don't have a nerve that controls a organ. You have redundancy, you have multiple nerves. The vagus nerve, for example, controls part of the heart, but the heart has a bunch of other nerves as well. So if one of the nerves gets damaged, you're still gonna stay alive. Your body is so brilliant, as long as you don't abuse it. And that's the problem I have with my patients. Chemically and physically, we abuse ourselves. Now, sometimes you can't avoid that. You get in a car accident, you can't avoid that. So that's abuse that you have to come see us so we can fix it. By the way, the sooner you get to us, the better it's gonna be with car accidents. So please, if you know someone, if you're in a car accident, get them to us right away, it's vital. So we, we have to look at the redundancy. So here, the, small, the stomach does certain things, small intestine does certain things. The large intestine is your last backup plan. This is why you can have parts of your body removed and you don't die. You can have your gallbladder removed. Yes, you're not gonna break down fats like you're supposed to, but you're not gonna die because you still have the pancreas as a backup plan. This is why pancreatic cancer is so deadly because the pancreas does so many things. You think about the pancreas uh, producing insulin, which does a good job on that, but it breaks down, it causes a lot of other things to be produced as well. So if the pancreas is damaged, pretty serious stuff. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take better care of our pancreas? I have patients every single day come in our offices and Dr. Joe, I've tried everything else and sometimes it's too late. I've had patients come in and say, doc, I have pancreatic cancer, whatever it is. You're my last hope. I've tried everything else. What can we do? And we try desperately and sometimes they don't make it. And that kills me. It hurts me so bad when I see a patient and, and I've had them on their last days of life come into our office and say, Dr. Joe, I wish I'd come to see you sooner. If I could change one thing in my life, it would have been that we came to see you guys sooner. And that, that, that hurts me. So don't be one of those patients. If you have a problem, please address it. I don't want it to become too late. And I don't want to have to be sending flowers to your family because something bad happened. So lighter note, we're talking about digestion. We're going into what's called the large intestine. Now I did a show a while ago and we talked about a hiatal hernia and what's called the ileocecal valve. The ileocecal valve is actually just a fold of muscle controlled by what's called mucosa, and it's located between your small intestine and your large intestine on the right side, between your belly button and your right hip. And it's a valve, it's an inlet valve. So it opens up and it's a one-way valve to allow food and waste to flow from the small intestine into the first part of the large intestine, then it closes. Okay, large first part of the large intestine is called the cecum. It also prevents waste from the colon to leaking back up into the small intestine. Now on this ileocecal valve, there's something called the appendix. Now you've heard about the appendix, it can rupture, you can have it removed. Uh, there's now evidence that the appendix may actually have very significant importance. It plays a role, a powerful role, in functioning of the immune system and it serves the storage area for good bacteria. So years ago, we thought the, the appendix was what's called a vestigial organ, no, not needed anymore. And you just can cut it out, no big deal. And in fact, this is crazy, in Georgia years ago, I don't know about other states, there was a law that said if you had any abdominal surgery whatsoever, you had to have your appendix removed. It was protocol. Why not take it out now before it breaks? How insane is that? So the appendix, it turns out, is important. Now, according to a lot of doctors, digestion time from the food entering your mouth to passing out of your body varies depending on the individual. 
Now, for a healthy adult, according to the Mayo Clinic, it's usually between 24 and 72 hours after you eat. It takes about six to eight hours for food to pass from your stomach into your small intestine. Complete elimination may take several days. That means, according to this one study, constipation is defined as anything fewer than three bowel movements a week, or conversely, normal would be defined as slightly less than one bowel movement a day. That's insane. Other than a healthy diet, high fiber, uh, largely raw food diet if you can, the single best thing you can do for overall health is make sure your colon is cleaned. You can do what's called a colon cleanse. Now, if you go to our website, drjoe.com, we have something called Dr. Joe's Intestinal Cleanser. And this stuff works amazingly, the decimal formula, I'm sorry, it works amazingly well. So if your bowels aren't moving at least once a day, preferably twice a day, go to my website, drjoe.com, change your diet, get chiropractic care to check the nerve supply to the organs, and you can take Dr. Joe's Intestinal Cleanser. My goal with the Intestinal Cleanser is to get you off it. Most supplements I want you to take forever, like Super Greens, Essential Source, we'll talk about those. The intestinal cleanser, I want you to get off it as quickly as possible. But check the nerve supply to the organs, eat a good diet, take the intestinal cleanser. It's on the website, drjoe.com. And in most cases, we get great results. Now, if you want to make an appointment to come see us in the Atlanta area, we have offices in Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge. We would love to be your doctors. So if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you're serious about wanting to get well, neck pain, back pain, car accidents, go to my website right now, drjoe.com. Make an appointment for you, your friends, your family, and your children. Folks, I'm Dr. Joe Esposito at the website, drjoe.com. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on wsbradio.com and on the WSB Radio app.